0: Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the windswept Matt.
1: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. Happy birthday to you. We're two years old.
0: Oh, it, it feels about a hundred.
1: I'll tell you what, Series 7 feels about a hundred.
0: <laughs> yeah, crikey. Two years we've been doing this nonsense.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Ah, makes you think, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> to the next two.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. What what better way to celebrate, eh, than uh, discussing uh, the 10th planet, mm. which is what we're doing this week. Um, A very significant story. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, figure out in due course whether you think it's a good story.
1: Mm. Is there anything um, you want to add to today's agenda before we start?
0: Uh, I've got a couple of little bits. The okay. um, First thing I wanted to do was shout out another podcast. We're making a bit of a habit of this at the moment, but one thing I've really noticed since joining Twitter, uh, I've been having a great time interacting with other Doctor Who fans and other Doctor Who podcasts. Mm. It's been really nice. Um, and one that's recently uh, crossed my radar is uh, the Cloister Bell podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah. I said hello um, to those this week as well.
0: Yeah, they're they they're really good eggs. I've, I've been. I Liam uh, and you won't be able to listen. It. Yes, yeah, I I won't. You won't have been able to listen to their early episodes yet because they started around the same time as us. No, and they start and they were just right out the gate were reviewing series eleven. I, I
1: did go back after they sort of reached out and said hello, and listened yeah. to some that wouldn't be spoilers yeah and they're good northern boys like us
0: they they are in, well i mean i'm a midlander but come uh,
1: on it's time to i, hide I, I mean
0: just pre- yeah i've i've um i've embraced uh living in yorkshire absolutely yeah 100 percent. but uh uh yeah no uh, uh, a great great little podcast um they're they're sort of i'd say they're similar ages to us but unlike us they both sort of embraced their yeah, doctor who fandom quite say, early on in life
1: in, in in the way that i always say married to who is like our podcast but good <laughs> i think the cloister bell is like our podcast but instead of me and you recording together if it was just two of you <laughs> just two enthusiastic doctor who fans
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a really nice vibe they've got, and uh, uh, they've actually owned, uh, they've just launched a, a, a Discord for listeners, um, which I've popped onto, and, and I'm hoping that that might blossom into a nice little community. Because goodness me, Doctor Who fandom needs little pockets of good, positive
1: fandom. Do, do, do you, do you um, want to say it, or should I? Uh, say what? Well, well, they're only up in Newcastle. <laughs> do, do you want to go you, for pizza? Uh,
0: I mean, uh, I, I, I'm so hard to keep down current lockdown rules. It would be, would be. Oh yeah, they can't go the, for pizza um,
1: with us. Yeah. Do you do you want a pizza because... update? Yeah, go so for it. So obviously, last week I reached out to Married to Who and mm-hmm. explained that I'll be in the states next year. Would they like to go for pizza? And it turns yeah. out the closest I will be to them in America is an eleven-hour drive away. <sighs>
0: Oh, that's, that's a trek for one pizza. It is.
1: But, Jake let me know that actually, this week, they should have been in the UK on their holidays. Really? So they're ah. scheduling to come back over next year. So I've said, we'll take them for pizza. And for convenience, they can all stay at your house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so long as they don't mind sharing a sofa with a dog, then they should be absolutely fine.
1: Uh, I mean... There's like seven of them. You might have to buy a second sofa.
0: Mm. I I mean, we'd just have to go on top of the first sofa. But
1: that does lead <laughs> me into what I was going to say. Because yeah. obviously we're sort of courting Married Two at the moment.
0: It seems It's getting serious, isn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah. So I thought, if we can't take them for pizza, we've still got a few months. Why don't we do mm-hmm. an international secret Santa to one another? Oh... Wow. Why, why don't we send them some British Doctor Who tat and they can send us something nice in return? That. <laughs> okay, so I, uh-huh. I, I'm i putting it out there. We've got, what, like two and a half, three months-ish to put something together. I'll get their details. Uh-huh. They can have ours. And we'll do Christmas gifts.
0: That sounds like a great and idea. You know what,
1: Cloister Bell, if you're listening, you can get in on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but not you, Fantastic. Radio Free Scaro. Never Radio oh, Free no. Scaro.
0: Too big for their boots. Yeah, we're guys. building
1: a resistance movement here.
0: <laughs> I should point out, I do quite like Radio Free Scaro. It's, yeah, it's I, I just pick on them because they're the big boys. <laughs> they, they are. They are. They, they've been doing it longer than anyone else. So yeah. you know, credit where credit's due. Um.
1: um just trying to see what else I've got written on my notes. This week, because I was so angry about spoilers last week, I haven't been on Reddit or Twitter fishing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still don't know who Jacobus X is. They're still my impossible girl.
0: You may never yeah. know.
1: Um, have you got anything you want to add? I have got something big um, I want to talk about, but I, I want okay, to sort well, of save I'll, that I'll, I'll, last.
0: Okay, uh, uh, one little thing. Uh, which is just Time Lord victorious update. Okay, how's it going? Um, the week of recording, um, the first novel has dropped. Uh, the Night, the Fool, and the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, good title, I think. Um, and I'm about halfway through it, maybe a little over halfway at this point. Overall, really quite enjoying it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. I don't want to. I don't want to get too bogged down in in uh, nitpicky stuff, um, but it's very readable. Um, and a character that I believe will be featuring across a few different elements of Time Lord Victorious and I think is is definitely going to be the breakout character is, is Brian the Ood. Okay. Um. And do you mind if I spoil this a little bit for uh, you? I Any... mean,
1: I've no intention of reading it, so yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so anyway, I've if you don't want to know anything about Time Lord Victorious, then maybe skip ahead a minute. But... um. This is nothing that hasn't already been covered in a lot of the promotional interviews and things surrounding Time War Victorious. Brian the Ood is, is an assassin um, trained by some, you know, no at this stage, nobody's clear on exactly uh, who or, or what's behind him. But basically, he's quite different to your average Ood. He's got a sort of J- James Bond type attire. Um, he's got a weird um, po- relationship with his translation sphere, where he he talks to it like it's a separate entity, called, which he calls Mr. Ball. Okay. And it's not clear whether that's like some sort of disassociative personality disorder kind of affair or whether actually there is some kind of AI or something feeding him information. Um, it's it's very ambiguous. But um, yeah, Brian the Ood is a uh, very interesting uh Quite funny, but also quite dark addition to the Was world of Was he always called Who.
1: Brian, or is the Doctor named him that?
0: No, he's always called Brian. He introduces himself as Brian. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I'm I, I, on the whole really enjoying this this book. Um, and I do recommend it if if anyone's interested in it, it's it's yeah, not too expensive if you pick it up on on uh, as an ebook or whatever. So, uh, uh, worth a punt, I'd say, if you're if you're in the market for more Doctor Who-related stuff in your life. As though there isn't enough Doctor Who yeah. already.
1: <laughs> it's bloody everywhere.
0: Indeed it is. Um, so go on then, what's your last bit on the docket for today? Right,
1: well, because it's early October, Yes. Uh, in a couple of weeks, it's my birthday. I'll be turning 35. And as I've got older, mm-hmm. rather than like a child wanting things on their birthday... Usually around my birthday at some point, I try and raise a bit of money for charity. All right, yeah. So, for example, I've done things like Movember, where you grow a moustache in November mm-hmm. for, men's he- uh, sorry, for men's health charities and what have you. Yeah. But I actually thought, why don't we tie it in to the pod? Sure. Okay. So, based on your love of cheese sandwiches, <laughs> based on your love of the robot Wheelie Big Cheese... Yeah, and based on the fact that the little bits in Trivial Pursuit look like cheese, mm-hmm. uh, I thought what we're going to do—it's called the Wheelie Big Doctor Who Cheese Quiz. <laughs> 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 okay. So I estimate between now and Christmas we have approximately twelve weeks.
0: Yes, we do. Okay.
1: So every week. I'm going to ask you a set of questions from Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit.
0: Oh, crikey.
1: Which I have bought. (laughs) It's here with me. You can hear the card shaking.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Okay. And if you succeed in answering all questions on the card, I will make a donation to charity in your name.
0: Oh, my goodness. No pressure. Okay.
1: Now, my original thought was we've got 12 weeks. I might do £5 a week because that's up to £60. Right. But if you only get one or two weeks, I might make it £10, just so we're not, you know... Sure, we'll see. Okay. And I also thought I might even open it up and do like a Just Giving page for like listeners to donate. I
0: think that would be a really good idea. Yeah, I thought heard. it's about time
1: yeah. we put a bit of good back into the world, because the Doctor Who fandom is just so yeah. horrible. I thought we could <laughs> be like the shining light in the darkness.
0: <laughs> yes, um,
1: indeed. Indeed. Um, So I I thought, just off the top of my head, one of the Mm go-to charities that I like to work with is the Teenage Cancer Trust. Sure. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to select a second one and we could sort of divide the winnings.
0: Oh, you're putting me on the spot now. Uh, Uh, I would have to have a think about it.
1: Um, uh, We we can cross that bridge later down the line. We can indeed. Because this is the first you've heard of this. It is. I indeed, sort of yeah. made it up this week and thought
0: it was a good <laughs> idea. Yes, you okay. you have com- completely caught me off guard with this. Uh, so but, there's uh,
1: six questions <laughs> per card. Okay. And the topics are time lords, companions, mm-hmm. episodes and stories. Yeah. Years and dates. Mm-hmm. Monsters, and cast, crew, and beyond. Okay. <sighs> okay. So, we're not going to do it Trivial Pursuit way, where we roll the dice and pick a colour. I'm going okay. to ask you a full card's worth of questions, Ooh, okay. covering those six topics.
0: That's not a bad way to do it.
1: Okay, so it's more like general Doctor Who knowledge than just one specific way. Yeah. Okay, so first card out the box. I thought you could maybe dub in some like tense quiz music behind this.
0: We'll see. We'll see if I can be asked. Depends okay. how busy I am at work this week.
1: So round one, Time Lords. Yeah. Which Doctor's outfit featured a battered leather jacket?
0: Ah, it's the War, uh, the war Doctor. Unless, oh, maybe the Ninth Doctor, though, actually. Because is the War Doctor's, is it, I mean, it is a leather jacket. And it's it's definitely the more worn of the two. Oh. You see, already, is he, So I tell you what? The thing is, I don't know how deep does this does Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit go? Like, it, have they made it just for Doctor Who fans? Or have they made it for, like, a more general audience? Um, oh, that's... See, I'm at a crossroads now. It's the it's inclusion of the word battered, because I think the ninth Doctor's leather jacket, it looks comfy, but it looks sort of smart. It doesn't look, like, too beaten up. So I'm going to stick with my original answer, the War Doctor.
1: Okay. I'm sorry to tell you the answer is the Ninth Doctor. Oh, come on! All right, I'll, I'll maybe give you one life.
0: Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Next one. It's not battered, is it? Doesn't look that scruffy to me.
1: I don't know. I, I can't... I didn't even think the War Doctor was wearing a leather jacket. It, was it looks a like
0: thing. a leather jacket to me. It looks like one of those sort of... Um, Control it like old fashioned army jackets. Yeah, without pulling levery. a picture up. Yeah.
1: I won't be able to say. Right. Question two Companions Who is travelling with the sixth Doctor when he lands on Ravalox, a planet alarmingly similar to Earth?
0: Oh, that's Perry.
1: It is, correct. Next question Episodes and stories mm-hmm. What is the name of the final full seventh Doctor adventure? Survival. Correct. It was broadcast in 1989 when the show had been cancelled.
0: Mm-hmm. Or technically, they they said at the time, put on hiatus. Yeah. Mm Mhm.
1: Okay, so, next question. Years and dates.
0: Oh, I've got to struggle with this one, I reckon.
1: In which century did the 13th Doctor meet King James and some sinister witchfinders?
0: Oh, okay. Um... I guess slight spoilers for uh, an upcoming series. Not massive spoilers for you. Um, and good to know that it's fairly up to date. Um, anyway, I'm stalling for time here because um, I'm bad at... So if I, if we're saying century, is it is it like... Um, have they styled it, you know, the Xth century or is it the X-Hundreds? Like, how are they... Uh,
1: it's the X-Century.
0: Right, Okay. So I'm going to hazard a guess, and this is a guess, and say the 16th century.
1: Oh, it's the 17th.
0: 17th. Oh, I knew it was going to be around there, but yeah, all right.
1: Okay. Next question, monsters. Yeah. What historical disease did the pterileptils plan to release into London in the fifth Doctor story, The Visitation?
0: The bubonic plague.
1: Correct. Final question. Cast Bring back the I'd oh, really? Love them
0: to come back. Yeah. Are any good? <laughs> no, not really, but I enjoyed them. I I really like the visitation.
1: Right. Uh, Final question. So this is Cast Crew and Beyond. Yes. Linda Bellingham played the High Inquisitor in the Trial of a Time Lord. Yep. But which brand of grocery product is she famous for advertising? What?
0: Oh, come off it. That's not a Doctor Who question. If you just said, who does Linda Benningham play in Trial of a Time Lord, I might have had a fighting chance. I
1: can only ask you the questions on the card, David, I'm afraid.
0: So what type of grocery product?
1: Which brand? Brand. Oh, is it a specific
0: brand? Oh, I don't know. Some kind of Warburton's bread.
1: Oh, Unfortunately, it's OXO. Oh, how was I meant to know that? Uh, That was the only question on the card I knew.
0: <laughs> and there, in a nutshell, is the difference between us.
1: OK, so after week one of the Wheelie Big Doctor Who cheese quiz, the current prize pot stands at zero pounds.
0: Uh, I feel like... Can I can I uh, suggest a tweak to this? Because I feel like I'm going to fall down on one every week. Okay. I so think it should be like a percentage. Like, I got four out of six right, didn't I? OK. So... What's four-sixths of a fiver? (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) Should we just call it £4?
0: Yeah. All right,
1: then. I'll tell
0: you what. Yeah, uh, uh, okay. So the current prize pot stands
1: at £4.
0: And this is your money money I'm volunteering here, but I think it should be um, a pound per question I get right, and if I get all six right,
1: tenner. Fucking hell. (laughs) How much (laughs) do you think I earn a month? <laughs> That's why I said we'll do five pounds a week because the maximum <laughs> could only be sixty quid. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell! Do I look like Jeff Bezos? <laughs> In case we're, we're, we're I, I would also it. say I don't look like Jeff Bezos.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I You know what? I don't know if I even know what Jeff Bezos looks like.
1: Uh, i if i had to describe him i'd actually say he looks a bit like an ood <laughs>
0: <laughs> that figures yeah. yeah all right then uh right. Well, we've got a, we've got an an interesting story to talk about this week so should we should we crack on
1: well there there is one thing i was going to ask but i don't know oh, whether go to on. ask it now go or at the end no go for it uh what did you have for lunch today
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to surprise you. Pasta salad.
1: Ooh, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. What did you have? Uh, in keeping with the theme of the week, I had pizza.
0: Mm. I had
1: one of those little Chicago town pizzas. Ah,
0: one of the ones you can do in a microwave.
1: Yeah, but I prefer them in the oven. They go a bit crunchier.
0: Oh, they do go crunchier, but I don't know. There's something special about, like, the just sheer awfulness of a soggy microwaved pizza. Mm.
1: I don't think you're really selling it. I think you might mm. be the reason that Married to Who don't want to go for pizza with me. <laughs> After you were slating them last week about how many good episodes are in each series.
0: I wasn't slating them. I was just offering a different opinion. Right. One that I stand by. All right, then. Tenth right. Planet. The, the, so, the, before, Sorry, there okay. was a
1: serious question I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay, okay, go on. So, you know last week where you proposed the idea that we do a Tom Baker month? Yes. I think for this next run, off the back of 10th Planet, I would like to do every regeneration story. Okay. Because I didn't know the 10th Planet was a regeneration story. No,
0: you didn't at all.
1: I I just thought halfway through, I was like, oh, it's a bit Mm. weird that the Doctor's just had a funny turn and gone to bed for most of this.
0: (laughs) yeah I, I mean i did i deliberately didn't want to spoil that for you and and to be clear that is one of the reasons i did uh choose this one I, you know regeneration was kind of on my mind having just said cheering out to matt smith and um as uh, this episode i think is interesting because it's a couple of other firsts in there so i thought it would just be it's uh, cards on the table It is not my favorite hartnell story by any stretch mm. and i was watching it and just kind of feeling sort of and mixed feelings because I was like, "Oh, Matt's gonna hate this," and there are better, there are better doc, there are better first Doctor stories I could be showing him, but I just felt for like, I thought it'd be interesting to give you some context to give to for, to see the first regeneration. Mm. Um, okay, so. I, Your proposal there to do all the regeneration stories...
1: Yeah, so as we did last time where we went first Doctor, second Doctor... Mm -hmm. Why don't we just do regeneration into regeneration?
0: Um, One reason you might want to reconsider it is the fact that the second Doctor's regeneration story is ten episodes...
1: You, you say the second Doctor—that's also the second Doctor that I ranked as my least favourite. Yes,
0: yeah. So it would be—it would literally be ten episodes back to back of your least favourite Doctor hmm. to do his regeneration story,
1: why? which is a
0: good story and uh, you know has a good reputation. But why, why uh,
1: don't we put it out as a Twitter poll?
0: Yeah. And the other the other thing is there are there were a couple of other fourth doctor stories that I particularly wanted to show to you at some point, just because I think they provide some interesting context for stuff you might encounter in the modern series at a later date. I don't want to say it'd be any any more specific than that,
1: right?
0: But um, you know, I do sort of try we, to we pick them with care. But yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. Again, it's the sort of conversation we should really have off air. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I don't think people realise that basically Monday through Friday I don't really speak to you. Then on Saturday yeah. I'll send you a message going what time tomorrow? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we spend like a couple of hours chatting. Then it's yeah. like, see you next Sunday.
0: Yeah, and it's and and, and, and it's become now apparently routine that the first 30 minutes of the episode and just us planning what we're going to do <laughs> yeah. in future episodes. Yeah. Um, but okay. People
1: like it. It's like watching an adventure in space and time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're getting all, all the behind the scenes
1: if, if they made a docudrama about our podcast, who would you want to play you?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who... We... I, 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 I don't think there are any actors who are... Who have a sort of similar vibe to me, presumably because I'm an extremely uncharismatic person.
1: <laughs> see, it's it's a shame because one of them's dead, but I think yeah. I, I think it could be Steve Martin and John Candy, like planes, trains, and automobiles. I really feel they mirror our relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Right. Um. Shall we? Shall we crack on then? Let's yeah, talk about the tenth well. planet. Um. So, do you want me to tell you the other reason? So, obviously, Regeneration was one of the reasons. The other main reason that I wanted you to see this particular story um, was it's, it's the introduction of my favourite Doctor Who monsters.
1: The Cybermen?
0: The Cybermen. This is the first ever Cybermen story.
1: I, I'm bored of them. Man. But they're here mm. all the time. And they do pop up do a anything. lot.
0: What are you talking about? They they do so much standing around and talking in this, this story. This
1: story, one of my main notes that I've made, yeah, is how are they able to tell a story that where so much happens, yet at the same time, absolutely nothing happens.
0: Yeah, it's a real skill, and it's something that they really they they, they were starting around the the back end of the Hartnell era. This is because this is your classic. Base under siege, mm. right? They, they, this, uh, and that became a real hallmark of the second Doctor's era. This is one of their first attempts at doing that kind of story, and compared to some of the really good ones that come up later in the Trouton era, my God, you can tell—like there is so much just spinning their wheels,
1: mm.
0: waiting around for something to happen. Um, yeah, they they get a lot better at, at working out how to do. A story like this, where it's a very contained set and just you know, ramping up the tension and stuff. But yeah, I have some serious issues with this story as a whole. But there are elements I really love, and there were, as I say, there are things that I really what, thought it was important for you to see. So,
1: so before we get into the episode, yeah, can you tell me about Polly and Ben because they're new to me. I, I don't they are know yes. Where they come you, from? Who they? Yeah, are. I didn't
0: give you any context at all for them. I probably should have. Um, so Ben and Polly, they hopped on board quite late in Hartnell's run uh, in, in a story called The War Machines. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a good story, actually. Um, it's the first time in a long while that, that, that they've done like a sort of Earth invasion story kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, basically the the... the the girl he was traveling with at that point, called, uh, called Dodo, only had a very short run. and it kind of wasn't working out. The production team weren't happy. They actually write her out halfway through uh, the story. Basically, she gets hypnotized. The doctor fixes her and says, oh, she needs to put her feet up and rest in the country. They send her off and then she he just takes off without her and just picks up Ben and Polly on the way in that story instead. Oh, wow. It's, it's the, one of the most unceremonious dumpings of a companion ever. Um, but yeah, Ben and Polly was an attempt I think to provide companions that are a bit more up to date. So Polly is very like swinging 60s. Um, that kind of vibe. You know, kind of a party girl thing. Mm-hmm. And um, she encounters Ben for the first time in that story as well. Ben is uh, a, a, a naval recruit. I've, I've, I don't think he's... He's not an officer or anything. He's, what, what do you call it? Just a sailor, I guess? Right. Um, and he's sort of on shore leave. They bump into each other, get, get wrapped up into the world of the Doctor, end up somewhat... I think, it, as was often the case in the Hartnell series, if, if memory serves, kind of unwilling... Travel traveling companions initially, they just sort of like stumble onto the TARDIS and it takes off and then they're stuck bouncing around, which is why later in this story, when they discover that they're in 1986, they're kind of disappointed because they're like, oh, we wanted to get back to the 60s. You know, Ben's still sort of hoping he's going to be able to, you know, join back up with his ship. Um, but yeah, they have an interesting vibe. Um, I've not seen, because it the the episodes themselves are missing, I've not seen their final story, The Smugglers. Um, it exists in audio, but I've not got round to doing a lot of the sort of telesnap reconstructions. So I don't know whether it is ever made explicit, but I always get the sense that there is a romantic element to their relationship. Okay. I don't know if you picked up on that in this story or not. This is quite early on for them. Mm. In fact, is this their second story? It might be. I can't remember that. I'm just going to have to quickly to Google that. Uh maybe second or third. I probably already like there, there will be more knowledgeable Doctor Who fans than me just like screaming at their, their uh, phones or whatever right now. But, uh, duh, duh, duh. Oh, actually, yeah. Cause I've already made a mistake. The smugglers is not their last story. It's, um, the one before this. What's the, what's the last story for the Ben and Polly? Then? I've definitely, I've not seen their exit. Um, all right, yes. Yeah, so the more, the War more Machines. So basically, this is only their third story, which is quite early days for Ben and Polly. But as they go on, I definitely get a sense that there is almost a romantic element to their relationship. So in some ways, I feel they're kind of precursors to, say, Amy and Rory. Yeah. And you've got a sort of quite a young couple, quite easy to identify with. um, And... Uh, yeah, they 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 get handled a lot of the action duties, especially Ben in the story. Ben is really the star of
1: yeah. He this seems story. to like do everything, and yeah. then in the way that the Doctor normally would, he just yeah. seems to irrationally know things that he probably shouldn't know. Yeah, and he that, suddenly becomes is... really intelligent when he needs to be for the plot.
0: Should I tell you why that is? Because episode three. Uh, the Doctor was originally supposed to be in, but Hartnell was so ill at this point that he just basically sent a, a quick telegram to the BBC saying, really sorry, can't come in this week. Mm. So they had to basically just hand off a lot of the Doctor's lines to other characters. So that's why in, in uh, Episode 3, Ben's coming up with, you know, all the schemes and stuff. Yeah. Because, it, because the Doctor's just having a little lie down for an episode. Um <laughs> But yeah, but but they 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 sort of pitched him as more of a kind of like an action in some in a similar way to they did with Ian, um, in the Ian and Barbara years. Um, so what what did you think of Ben and Polly in this story?
1: Um, I I liked Ben more, but he was given more to do.
0: Yeah, poor Polly. This is not a good Polly story.
1: For, for a lot of this, I sort of forgot yeah. Polly was there, and then there's a bit where she makes coffee and that seems yeah. to be a really big deal
0: that is basically the most um the most she gets to do in this story yeah. and she does you know she does a bit of moaning and and asking questions but yeah it's not a it's it's an odd one with polly because i really like polly but she's as a character she doesn't have any big moments that are like distinctive to her she doesn't like have her baseball bat moment like ace does or or whatever um but i just i just enjoy her on screen and she's really good in other stories where she's given a little bit more to do than this um but yeah but ben i think played by michael crazes is a very likable character he's sort of got that that cheeky cockney vibe Mm. Um, which i think is quite quite interesting and quite um significant for um the time in which this was being made because the aforementioned Dodo, her original the, the original idea with her character was that she'd be like a more working class character. And after one episode, the producer said, Oh no, we can't be having this and made her actually requested the actress sort of completely shift her personality and, and, and accents. So oh, really? she's she's talking in sort of received pronunciation from that point. And then a few weeks later, they're, you know, they're casting Michael Craze and and, and and going with this sort of Cockney Sailor character for Ben. So it's just that we're just kind of on that cusp within the BBC of allowing regional accents and acknowledging the existence of the working class. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's definitely the standout in this story. As much as you, you... I wish this was Hartnell's story. I wish it was, like, the kind of big send-off that you get with a modern Doctor. Yeah. Because, I mean, you compare this to something like The End of Time or... Yeah.
1: Like I know, say, I, I even put it, it on Twitter. And... Just, like, halfway through, he's, he just goes to bed.
0: He does, yeah. So it's, it's kind of... There is a, a bittersweetness to this being the final story for Hartnell.
1: And um, I, I think it wasn't really until the very end that I knew this was a regeneration story, because, yeah. like you say, the modern ones, it's such a big moment. Yeah, they do, they, here, they do all this foreshadowing. Sort of like, and, yeah. Shuffle yeah. him one way, bring Troughton in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of odd. But, um, but such a significant story in the history of this show, you know without that decision to regenerate him into Trouton tra- tra- at the end, uh, then, you know, this could have been a completely different, you know, this could have been the end of Doctor Who. Mm.
1: It's
0: crazy to think about. Anyway, um, we're doing a lot of talking around this story. Yeah. Because I feel like... We, we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is that the, the story itself doesn't make a lick of sense. Nope,
1: nope, <laughs> nope, nope.
0: It's just a sequence of things happening which sort of impact one another in a fairly random fashion. Um, yeah,
1: and I i I think one of the things I don't like about Classic Who yeah. is it just doesn't hit the rhythm I'm used to with the modern show. No. Like for periods of this, it is so slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And like you can make you can make the argument of like, oh well it was, you know, made for a different era and people were used to watching things sequentially, but even if you take it as a serialized story, there are whole chunks of every episode where basically nothing is happening. Yeah. It's and just an awful lot of like people looking at monitors and reading out lists and, of numbers.
1: And they introduce characters. That yeah. are given like distinctive traits. So you think, oh, they must be important. Never yeah. see them again.
0: Yeah. Like uh <laughs> like Tito, the, the, the Italian guy, who's yeah. like obviously quite quite a comedic character, and you you know, you think he's gonna be um like he's maybe gonna be a, a significant player, but then they just he's just you know, carks it in uh, midway through episode two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Right. It's shall we jump in?
0: let's just r- rattle through this as b- you know, as brief as you care to because like I say, apart from the certain f- key moments there's not a lot to talk about at times here.
1: Right. So this is from the 8th to the 29th of October 1966. Yeah. And we open with a rocket launch at the South Pole. Yes. Which is transmitting data down to Snowcap base. Yeah. Uh, outside the base, it's really windy, and the tower disappears. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I noted that the doctor was more friendly than he was last time.
0: Yeah, yeah, he definitely has a, a just a warmer tone to him.
1: Mm. So he, Polly, and Ben go into the snow and see the base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a periscope that comes up. I think that's what they notice. Yeah, and, and
0: yeah, what what motivates them is I think it's Tito operating the. Oh no, it's the other guy. It's the American guy. Operating the periscope and then sort of mentions that he spotted a woman, and and Tito's like on his bunk, just being like, ah, what are you talking about? There aren't people out there. And then when he says a woman, he's like, hey, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, all of a sudden leaping out of his bunk and all too well, eager to help.
1: My, my next line of notes is: yeah. one of the base men is a racist Italian Lothario stereotype, yes, and the rest yes, are racist American New Yorker <laughs> stereotypes.
0: Um. These are bit part actors from the you know, glory days of, of like British theatre rep. Mm. And you know, so that was a period in when there was you know, subtlety was for film actors. Yeah. Not for theatre and TV. Um and yeah, it's definitely it's it it's not it's not the kind of characterization characterization that would fly today, but I don't think there's anything malicious about it. Yeah. And what I was actually going to mention um, on the subject of racism, um, there's quite a significant bit of casting that we need to address, uh, but I think we'll do when we get to to that character.
1: Um, I, I might but, do it next week instead of like Matt being here. It might be my American cousin Joey. <laughs> and I'll just be like, "Hey, how's it going?"
0: So literally, just Jerry from Friends.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I did have pizza for my lunch today. Uh, <laughs> the parallels are there. Yes, indeed. So the Doctor and his friends enter the base, where we see that General Cutler is in charge.
0: Yeah. He... What do you think of General Cutler?
1: Like. I have literally no opinion of him at all. <laughs> like, he, he's horrible. Yeah. And then they try and give him, like, a human side. Yeah. But then that doesn't really matter.
0: It just makes him more insane,
1: Yeah. to be honest, by the end. Like, um, it's as though he's a different character in each episode. I uh, see, and I would say it's
0: fairly consistent to me. It's just like he's come off a production line of stereotypical, like, bullish american army generals Mm. like if you watch a lot of war films and you know stuff that was made in sort of the 50s and 60s that immediate post-war period this is like the archetypal depiction of an american general is just like
1: hey what are you doing
0: you know he's just missing the cigar yeah you know that's that's all it is so um i think robert beattie gives he does as like He's not leaving anything on the table in terms of his performance. It's all there, um, but it's it, it, the, the flaws are in the writing of the character. I think I feel like, mm. but uh, but anyway, yeah. It, uh, certainly, I would say one of the more memorable aspects of this story.
1: So this is where we find out that Snowcap Base is a space base. Yeah, because we're in the far, for long future of nineteen eighty-six.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Year I was born.
1: Uh, I, well, I was born October right. 85.
0: So. Yeah, so I, I would have been just a few months old when this story uh, was yeah, supposed to take place. You probably won't
1: remember when we were shooting rockets from the South Pole.
0: No, it was a bit... I was, you know... <laughs> yeah, bit, too young to bit remember young that. It.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always think it's mad, like the original transformers the movie that's set in the yeah. year 2000 the far flung yeah. future space
0: year 2000 yeah yeah
1: <laughs> right so i've made a note here it says the doctor and his party are trying to get home is that like an overarching plot point or have they yeah, just tried to get home but of... they've gone to the wrong place
0: <clears throat> it was it was a hallmark of the first doctor's era in particular that he basically was just rubbish at piloting the tardis right. so Ian and Barbara's story all the way through was they just wanted to get back. You know, they they, they came on board basically by mistake in the first story. Um, and the whole time they just want to get back to to Earth in the mid-60s so they can just pick up where they left off and have a normal life. Um, and, yeah, they, they kind of do the same thing with uh, Polly and Ben here.
1: Mm-hmm. So... Whilst they're in the base, yeah. a new planet just appears.
0: Yes,
1: just you know, as it does. Okay,
0: so we we we've got we're getting to the point where now we've we've had some scenes with the crew of the spaceship that they've launched, yeah,
1: which is losing um, power because yeah. of this new planet.
0: And so this was the other bit of casting that I did want to highlight. So Earl Cameron playing, is he called Williams, I think is the name, of the astronaut that he plays. Um, Reputedly, and I have not fact-checked this, but reputedly the first ever television portrayal of uh, an astronaut by a black actor. Okay. Um, And also, until very recently, he was the oldest surviving actor to have ever appeared on Doctor Who.
1: I was going to say, he passed away this week. Or was it last one?
0: Oh, it was. It was a few weeks ago now, yeah, but very I, I, I recently. I saw it
1: flag up on Twitter.
0: Yeah, he was a hundred and two. Wow. So, uh, That's a good innings. Yeah, absolutely. But um, he's had, a, you know, he had a pretty amazing career for 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 a black actor working in in the years that he did. You know, his mm. first. I'm just having a look at his first TV credits, or oh, in fact, cinema credits. Let's go go back to 1951 you know, working all the way through until sort of 2013. Um, and I, I, I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like trying to actually make a sustainable career as an actor. Um, you know, be, being black in, in those sort of times when roles that you would be offered would be so few. And when they were... Available, they I'm sure many of them would have been just outright racist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he had an incredible career, and um, I th- just yeah, re- really significant bit of casting. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, killed off after a couple of episodes, but you know, yeah, it was ever thus. Um,
1: so once the new planets appeared and the rocket is losing power, yeah. The Doctor tries to explain to everyone what's going on, but they all ignore him. And yeah. instead, they discuss coordinates for far too long. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. It, that's what I'm talking about. People just looking at monitors, reading out numbers. Yeah. It's just paddling. You could have done this story in half the time. Mm. Um,
1: so, whilst they're having that chat, the rocket begins yeah. to plummet, the astronauts have no energy, Their yeah. ship's descending off course, and... The Doctor then forces everyone to look at the new planet. Yes. And guess what, David? It looks just like Earth. It
0: does, doesn't it? Polly is very keen to point out that she can spot Malaysia. Yeah. (laughs) Would you be able to point out Malaysia on a map?
1: I could take a good guess it's <laughs> over china way somewhere isn't
0: it near yeah. thailand <laughs> it's just so it just stands out to me every time i watch it That she's so insistent that, yes that's definitely malaysia like I, she must have had a gap year there or something yeah um but okay so a lot to unpack here first of all the doctor did you pick that he slipped a a, a piece of paper to the um professor is it a professional doctor yes, or whatever, but the, the, the scientist yeah. Barkley, uh, and it's basically just like, to show his credentials, like here, I've pre- accurately predicted what you're about to see. Um, and I think we need to address the whole concept of a twin planet.
1: Yep.
0: Okay. It is inherently ridiculous. Absolutely. No question. No argument. It is a very silly idea. However... If you cast your mind forward, or back, whichever way you want to think about it, to the first um, Cyberman story of you who, mm-hmm. The uh, Rise of Cyberman and Age of Steel, where is that story set?
1: Well, that's an alternate Earth, isn't it?
0: Exactly. So what Mondas is doing in this story is essentially serving the same function. And I think this was, you've got to remember, this was written at a time before, um, like, multiverse theory was just part of the lexicon of science fiction mm. that it is today. People think nothing about the idea of parallel universes at this point. But, I'm, and I'm sure someone could pull out examples of, like, pulp science fiction stories from, like, the 20s or 30s, playing in those, you know, drawing on those ideas. But it wasn't a mainstream idea in the way it might be today. Mm. Um, and really, what the, 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 the function that both Mondas in this story and the parallel Earth in Rise of Cybermen have is essentially the same. It's an opportunity for the, for the writers to say, here's humanity, but just branching off. In a different direction. Because so central to the idea of Cybermen is the fact that underneath all of that metal and plastic and whatever, there's the remnants of a human being.
1: Mm. Because these are different Cybermen, aren't they? To what we've seen.
0: Yes. And this is the other thing, that that Cybermen have no consistent origin story. So we've already seen a classic story, the Tomb of the Cybermen, where their point of origin is given to be the planet Telos. Yes. Yeah, and this and co-written by the same writer of this story, Kit Peddle, the creator of the title I've
1: never even thought about that episode. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it, it gives a completely different origin, and there will there are others throughout, you know. And obviously, the the uh, Rise of Sagman provides yet another one from a parallel Earth, and you know. But to me, what that all adds up to is this sort of if you like meta origin which is that cybermen are an inevitability Mm. that sooner or later you take a certain human society and there is a good chance that they will end up going down this path of of further and further augmentation in the the sake of so-called improvement and sooner or later someone has the bright idea to strip away emotions because emotions somehow inhibit human progress Mm. um and this is why I love the Cybermen. I think it's unfortunate that I st- I think at this point, with the exception of two of the Cybermen, which I will defend, I don't think you've seen a particularly good Cybermen story.
1: No. I, and I, I have under- no fondness for them.
0: And, I, and so I totally understand why you're at this point now where you've just like you're just fed up with them.
1: Yeah.
0: But please believe me about what I tell you, they're a good Cybermen story coming. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think even when I get yeah. there,
1: I'll probably be exhausted with them and not that bothered.
0: Well, that's my that's my great fear. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but um, they're iconic for a reason and they're enduring for a reason, and I think that's because the central idea, the central philosophical question posed by the Cybermen, is an enduring and valid one, which is basically what does it mean to be a human being? At what point do you lose? What you know what what is humanity if not the sum of our emotions? You know? Mm. And I th- I think it, it, it's brilliant. And there are moments, isolated moments, but there are moments in this story where they really do start to tap into that and capitalise on those ideas. Unfortunately, it's lost in an awful lot of, you know, running about and talking about rockets.
1: Yeah. But so, yeah. The Doctor says that a twin planet means visitors. Yes. So yeah. the general speaks to—I didn't know who this was at the time. I've just put the head of Star Command. Yeah. And then accuses the Doctor of being involved somehow.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. I so, mean,
0: I to, I to credit to the general. They have just shown up out of the blue. Yeah. It is kind of like conspicuous.
1: I always think that, like, we watched one where they just appear on a submarine, and everyone goes, "All oh, right." No, to be fair,
0: I my my headcanon for that is like they they've got bigger fish to fry. So yeah. they don't have time to worry too much, and this bloke seems to know how to help, so it would be a bad commander who wouldn't use every
1: I imagine tomorrow morning if you wake up advantage. as normal for work, but there's just yeah. an old man in your living room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Trying to hand out helpful advice and telling me that the fate of the world is at stake.
1: <laughs> do you know what I'd do in that scenario?
0: Yeah.
1: I'd ring one oh one and say that I've got a lost dementia patient. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm happy to detain him until someone comes to collect him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's more or less the, the general's attitude. He is, n- he is not suffering uh, the doctor and his companions at all. Just wants them out of the way. But, uh, yeah.
1: So, episode one ends with a spaceship landing. The yeah. soldiers going to see what's happening. They go to the yeah. TARDIS and the cybermen approach
0: yes uh, what do you think what do you think of the design of these uh, cybermen
1: i like them because uh, they reminded me of slipknot yeah
0: uh, <laughs> they re- it's proper creepy isn't it mainly the it's proper head.
1: creepy in the sense of like modern cybermen are almost too sleek yeah. the fact that these are like knackered held together with duct tape Yeah. It's a little bit more body horror, isn't
0: it? It, uh, Yeah, definitely. And they've got human hands. Mm. They don't have any gloves or anything on their hands. You've got, like, these fleshy hands protruding from the end of these, like, robotic arms. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a really effective design.
1: Well, let's Um, talk about their hands, because the episode ends with them slapping some soldiers to death. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know? (laughs) What sort of fist of the the North Star martial arts are they using? (laughs) <laughs> a simple slap around the chops and knocks you clean out yeah yes but yeah. there you go so episode 1 ends on such a such a cliffhanger
0: yeah
1: i mean it doesn't really cuz it sort of goes nowhere it go it, like it reverts every time it moves to a new episode it goes back 10 minutes
0: <laughs> not right. quite but it does and, always feel and nothing like nothing
1: happens and yeah so episode 2 opens the Cybermen check the soldiers, and they sort of do. They steal their uniforms.
0: Well, they yeah, their coats, yeah. The, the big fur coats they've, they've got to protect them against the cold. Um, apparently, that was a that was an effective disguise because they managed mm. to sneak onto the base. But uh,
1: yeah,
0: I feel like if I saw a Cyberman in a fur coat, I'd still twig that it was a Cyberman.
1: It's like, have you ever seen the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film?
0: I haven't actually, though no. Well,
1: there's basically a bit where Raphael decides he's going undercover. So yeah. he wears a massive trench coat yeah. and like uh, almost like a trilby hat. Okay. But it doesn't disguise the fact that he's like a seven foot tall green man. Like He clearly <laughs> yeah. has no trousers or shoes on. He's only got yeah. three giant fingers and his face yeah. is bright green.
0: Yeah, he's got a big green turtle head. Yeah. A yeah. bit odd. But yeah, but it works. They get yeah. they infiltrate the base.
1: So the doctor tells the general of the invasion. Yeah, and the general, his sort of go-to reaction to everything is immediate fury. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could say, "Oh, it's just started to rain outside," and he'd be like, "What? I'll kill you? <laughs>
0: Assemble a, a team. Yeah. We will blow this rain <laughs> out of the sky."
1: Yeah. <laughs> now this is one of my favourite scenes. There's a news broadcast. Yes. Uh, tells of the neighbouring planet and says there's no need to panic. Yeah. The head of Star Command immediately panics and goes mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Cybermen at this point enter the so base.
0: I feel like it, that's almost um, that feels almost very RTD to me that moment because RTD loved like cutting to a bit of news report. Yeah, about whatever had, craziness was happening. The ones was with happening.
1: like Brian Cox up.
0: Yeah, stuff, yeah. We? So it's it's almost a, you know, kind of uh, precursor to that, that sort of thing. But yeah.
1: So the Cybermen enter the base and they kill people with a truck headlamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, the, the, the Cybermen have certainly improved their tech over the years, haven't they?
1: <laughs> Speaking of improvement, what did you make yeah. of their voice?
0: Oh, yes, we haven't even addressed... The Cyberman voice.
1: Yeah, it's just whenever there's a word with a long vowel, they yeah. <laughs> just go. And and I really like the bits
0: where they suddenly speed up. You know what I mean? they have, yeah. and I like it because it to me it feels almost like like it's a slightly rudimentary processing and so sometimes you know, always get this like sort of backlog of words mm. that then suddenly all come out in a flurry i actually really like it. it's super annoying yeah definitely
1: 100 I, I especially like the fact that nine times out of ten their mouths don't even move yeah
0: oh <laughs> well, i think that was intentional the idea was it's just like an aperture opening mm. and it's just coming out like a speaker yeah. um uh worth noting that the, i think the main cyberman is voiced by roy skelton who also did a lot of Dalek voices, best known as the voice of Zippy.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Possibly possibly another character in Rainbow, maybe.
1: For a second, I was maybe. like, oh, Mr. God, Dungle. I'm going to zone out for a minute whilst he talks about Doctor Who again. But <laughs> you hooked me right in with Rainbow.
0: Uh, I can't remember that. Hang on. Which one? Which I'm go- Was it Zippy? Okay. Uh, yeah, Zippy and George he played oh, wow. on Rainbow.
1: Yeah, I used to really like Rainbow.
0: Peter Hawkins. He definitely did a lot of Daleks. Did he do anything else? I'm just checking to see what Peter Hawkins did. Um, no. I don't think he's as many. Yeah, Daleks and Cybermen. Uh, oh, he was the original voice of Zippy. Uh-huh. So that you got two Zippies for the price of one oh, wow. in this story. There you go.
1: So this is the point where we first find out the planet is called Mondas. Yep. And it manages to go against all laws of physics because it's just drifted away <laughs> yeah. to the edge of space.
0: Yeah, it, just, it just sort of
1: floats. You know, yeah. this the story, appears to be stronger than the sun's gravitational pull yeah. prior to this story.
0: So, yeah, it floated off, and now it's floated back again. Yeah. For no reason. They, they really rush over that point, don't they? Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't even... If I'm talking plot holes, which I don't like to do, I don't know if, if this comes across with this this uh, podcast, but I'm not generally a plot details person. What I care about is characters and tone, like how a story makes me feel, what it makes me think about, less so than does the story actually make sense. But I do have my limits. And to me, the biggest issue is not even the the whole twin planet nonsense and the fact that it drifts off into space and comes back again. What bothers me is they discover Mondas and the Doctor says, oh, well, they'll be invading then. And they decide out of the entire planet, the places that they are going to invade are that one tiny remote base Mm Mm-hmm. And also the the other mission control in Geneva, I believe it is. It is, yeah. There is no implication that they land craft or, or and, and like any Cybermen appear anywhere else in the world.
1: Yeah. So it I just so happens after they've after decided... a the couple of hours, when the yeah. Doctor's defeated some of them, Yeah. wouldn't there be a message just going, I'll tell you what, just save the South Pole for now. There's some yeah, proper just, hard there. they'll
0: target somewhere else, yeah. like, uh, and we'll come back to that. Yeah. It's so weird that they just like that is the exact point that they're like, okay, we better go here, the the one place that has discovered us.
1: Mm.
0: Um, yeah, I, it's, yeah. This is this story does not stand up to much scrutiny.
1: No. So we're told they are called Cybermen and have no emotion. Yeah. The general sounds the alarm and refuses to stand down, so he gets slapped unconscious as well. Yeah. Uh, another scientist. I think at this point, is it Barkley? Yes, I think think so. The
0: the chap with the beard, the glasses.
1: I know, but sometimes, you know how you say in Old Who, they sometimes get the lines wrong? Yeah. Sometimes they call him Brackley. (laughs) Do they? Yeah, I've written in my notes, sometimes it's Barkley, sometimes it's Brackley. Yeah. So, yeah, he contacts Mission Control and says it's a false false alarm. Ben Mm -hmm. grabs a gun, but is stopped by a Cyberman, so they lock Ben in a room which is a project, uh, projection room.
0: Yes. Because every tiny, tiny underground Antarctic space base needs a projection room, yeah. apparently.
1: And then this part I didn't really understand, so I just put yeah. the space shuttle still orbiting. It's lost all its fuel or something.
0: Okay, uh, so the the implication is that Mondas is somehow... Pulling, it's pulling the rocket off course, the, the shuttle off course, and it's also draining their power. It's unclear as to how or why or if that's his intentional on the part of the Cybermen.
1: So I've then put, I'm nearly two full episodes in, what do the Cybermen actually want? Mm. Uh, and then that's immediately answered. So they're sapping yeah. energy from Earth to Mondas. Yes. Yes. Uh, So the spatial explodes. It's very,
0: very unclear what kind of energy,
1: how they're going to get it it
0: off the planet. Do you know what I mean? I feel like...
1: It's just one of those things where it's like, don't ask questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot... You have to do a lot of that in this story. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes.
1: So the Doctor yells at the Cybermen because they want to take everyone to Mondas. Mm Mm-hmm. Ben works out he can use the projector in the projection room to blind the Cybermen when they open the door. Yes. Uh, So it works. He then kills it with its lamp weapon. Yeah. But then Ben has some sort of weird PTSD and just lies on the floor for a bit. (laughs) I forget what
0: happens there.
1: Um, Well, I didn't know because I'd sort of worked out that Ben's a military man.
0: Yeah, And I didn't yeah. know if
1: that was part of his, like, plot arc, no, that he was a bit no. of a pacifist and didn't enjoy killing. I don't think but so. But as soon yeah. as he kills it, he just sort of, like, collapses to the floor. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor and Polly shout at the Cybermen some more. Is this where
0: we get the scene where, where they're, they're sort of interrogating the Cybermen about what they want and what they do, and and we get the establishment that the Cybermen have had all their emotions removed? mm there is that very lovely line from, from the Doctor. It's a bit of an iconic line where he says, you know, I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it in front of me. But it's like, love, hate, fear, have you no emotions, sir. Um, you know, kind of just getting to the heart of what what makes the Cybermen truly monstrous. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's not, it's not all the, the, the gubbins, you know. Someone's not a monster because they've got an artificial leg. What makes the Cybermen monstrous is that they have removed their emotions,
1: Mm.
0: which is the essence of humanity. Um, So, yeah, yeah, that's a reoccurring
1: theme whenever we've seen them. I mean, not necessarily in the one where they're just at war with the Daleks, but.
0: Yeah, they're just cannon fodder in that story.
1: Yeah, but in the one where they are converting people.
0: Yeah, or even.
1: Go on, sorry. Yeah,
0: no, I was gonna say, and also, like you know, even though I wouldn't say it's the best story, but you know, uh, closing time, where there's this sort of theme of people being able to override the the programming of Cybermen through the power of emotions. You know, that's kind of their weakness, almost.
1: I thought their weakness was gold.
0: It's also gold. Yeah. Both of those things are true. Yeah. I prefer. I prefer the. I think it's rather more poetic the uh, the former. Yeah. Uh, gold is just a bit like a convenient plot device when it needs to
1: be. Okay, so having seen the space shuttle explode, yeah, they immediately just send another shuttle up. Yeah, and it's piloted by General Cutler's son.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: and I've just written at this point. It's time for interplanetary war. Mm. But it never quite comes. So the Doctor sits about complaining for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Polly questions whether the General is actually having fun and enjoying this. Yeah. And pretty much before he can answer, hundreds of spaceships approach. Yes. Okay, so that's the end of Episode 2. Episode (laughs) 3, barely anything happens, so we'll race through this.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Okay, so... The General tries to speak to his son. Mm-hmm. The Doctor has a funny turn and falls ill. Yes, yeah. Okay. Has a little lie down for an so, episode. Yeah, Ben and Polly show him to his bed and yeah. he's very tired. Uh, the General's son, in his shuttle, can't see the Cybermen shuttle. So yeah. the General says he's going to use a Z-bomb to destroy Mondas. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it convenient that it's a doomsday bomb at strategic locations around the globe? We've seen that yeah. before, haven't we? We
0: have. It's a very Doctor who trope, I, isn't I it? I mean,
1: I imagine if you go through the wrong door on the London Underground, there's probably an <laughs> underground just doomsday <laughs> weapon. Yeah. You know, every story just seems to have one, like yeah, deep under I, the I, Earth's crust.
0: And I love the idea that, that... Well, I say I love the idea, I'm being sarcastic, but... Um, you know they've built this weapon. They don't know exactly what it's going to do, but they have a good idea that it's probably going to wipe out half of humanity. Yeah. But they're just, but they're still like, oh, there's a few spaceships in the sky, and they've got those they've got those truck lamps. Yeah. We can't take that risk. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's it's so cavalier, and like I know it's trying to make a point about like. That this is essentially the wrong call, like that we're not meant to be siding with the general. No, no. But it's but it's just exaggerated to the point of ridiculousness. I feel like.
1: Yeah, but it also shows his like ruthless streak because even now, that his son's involved,
0: yeah. Well, it feels like the moment his son steps aboard that that rocket, he's basically he just loses all critical faculties. Really. Um, he just goes a bit bonkers.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So, from there, uh, they ask Geneva for permission Yeah. to fire the weapon, but Geneva says they need to ask the scientists. Yeah. So, Ben tells the general to wait. That's one mm. of those lines I feel was probably for the doctor. I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. and so does Barclay, the science man. Yeah. So... Ben goes to see the doctor who is out cold which causes Ben to become unnecessarily angry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he gets so angry he climbs through an air vent. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. We've just though. put
1: this general is bloody obsessed with nuking Mondas. Yeah. He, he just just let it go, pal.
0: He's just no he's just like he's seen it, he doesn't like it, he wants it to not exist. And he doesn't care if he's going to destroy half the earth in the process.
1: So, Polly makes some coffee.
0: Yes. Yay. Finally a bit of action for Polly. Uh,
1: and then Barkley's really rude to her, then immediately sorry.
0: Yeah. She then I goes, like, oh, Bar-
1: should I make the coffee? And he goes, shut up. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Just like, yes. What's that about?
0: I really like that. I think that's really good characterisation. I think it gives... it It's what that shows is first of all that barclays under enormous pressure and it's feeling very conflicted because at the end of the day he's the one who has to actually facilitate this insane general's whims <laughs> um and he's you know right on the edge but but he is still fundamentally a kind decent person so he snaps because he's like he doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't want to be thinking about something as trivial as coffee in that moment but then he he re- realizes he's like oh i was just terribly rude to that poor poor girl who's just trying to help um so i think for me barclay is the most sympathetic character in this whole story um and i think it, it's probably the best performance that i'm going to look up the re- it's uh mead who's uh, david dotty mm-hmm. um plays plays barclay i don't think i've seen him in anything else but i think he's really quite good in this so it's sort of a shame that you didn't get a better script, really.
1: So they plan on firing the nuke because, yes, it'll kill the general's son, but that's yeah. one life lost as opposed to millions. Yeah. However, Barclay says to Ben that the vent he was climbing in leads to the missile silo mm-hmm. so they can sabotage the bomb. So it will fire, but it won't cause near as much destruction as intended.
0: Yeah, well, I think that well, weren't they saying that it would be that all the fuel would leak out at the point of firing, so it will look like it's firing, and then it will just like a technical look like a technical mishap, Mm. Um, and hopefully not sabotage.
1: So I've said, Barkley looks like a young Jeremy Corbyn.
0: Yeah, yeah, he does have that sort of vibe, sort of
1: skinny and beardy. Um, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I watched this episode uh, on Payday. When I'd been yeah. to a local brewery and just spent lots of money on beer. So I was, I was pretty drunk when I was watching this. That's why my notes for episode three are far fewer. Fair dues. Um So the Cybermen approach and are yeah. killed by the weapon torch thing again. Yeah. Ben breaks in with Barclay's instructions. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Doctor's still in bed. Yeah. And the general notice At what point
0: did you realise you were getting zero Doctor in this episode? I, I
1: just thought... This is lazy writing, but it was only once I'd watched the whole thing and, like, yeah looked like, it up.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe maybe, maybe I'm being a bit hard on it there. But yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so, yeah, the general notice Barkley is missing. Yes. And sees Ben disrupting the bomb. Yeah. And this is probably my highlight of all four episodes. Oh, go on. When he throws Ben off that ledge. <laughs> like I, I've even put the video out on our Twitter... Yeah, ben, I saw that. Because Ben yeah. does like a complete 360 backflip. Yeah. So he lands on his feet really safely. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh no, Ben! But we, we've seen him just safely drop to the floor. Yeah. Uh, so the general then talks to his son, who is losing mm-hmm. power again. Yeah. Barkley commences, commences the launch. And with two minutes to launch, there's a computer fault. Yeah. Except it doesn't matter because the rocket launches anyway. End of episode three. Yeah. Episode is the best one because it's animated.
0: Yeah. The, first of all, can, oh, actually, I was going to say the end of episode three, so with the countdown. I do quite like just the massive le- uh, um, numbers on screen for the countdown.
1: Yeah, and I really liked it when it's used as the titles as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, with the, the, the flashing...
1: Letters, Um, the X's and
0: yeah, yeah, it it gives It's quite a stylish. They were doing a lot of that around this period with Doctor Who, like giving each story a slightly unique title card style Mm. um, that's sort of reflective of the nature of the story. Um, So yeah, it's quite sort of stylish and cool. Mm. Um, I I find the the sort of the crackling interference that they put over the the theme tune in every episode a bit much. But uh, but yeah,
1: but yeah. Episode four, best one, animated. Yeah, I would prefer to watch classic Who if it was animated. Do you,
0: that's interesting. So you find you you were kind of more engaged with it. Yeah, it as, ma- a, it as a it cartoon, makes
1: it feel different. I think when I'm yeah, because it is the same show. I think I'm expecting modern conventions from classic Who.
0: Yeah, and yeah. There's a
1: bit of a dissonance when I watch it but by yeah. having it animated so it's something completely different yeah i did enjoy it more
0: i do find it's it's interesting with the animations as well because they they use different studios or different ones and and they will often take a slightly different approach so sometimes they try to be very very faithful this is probably one of the more faithful ones in terms of there's not like crazy camera angles that they would never have been able to do it's not cutting quicker than it would on a, on a standard broadcast, they're trying to keep it quite similar to the style. There are some that have come out where they're taking more liberties mm. in the presentation of it. And they're basically taking the audio, taking the story as as it currently exists and say, okay, what can we do visually that best elevates this story and make it its own thing a bit more? Um, so, which obsessed some purists. But I think... That's not necessarily a bad approach to take with it, you know. Because at the end of the day, you you are making these animations in in you know uh, the tw- you know the twenty first century. So why not make them a bit more palatable for a modern audience? Mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah.
1: So the launch fails, yeah. Which of course immediately infuriates the general. Naturally, uh, the Doctor wakes up at last. Hooray. And says his body is wearing thin. That is the point yeah. I realized we're probably gonna see a regeneration.
0: Well, do you know do you know where you last heard that? Go on. Last words of the war doctor. Oh is it? Yeah, he he's when he's regenerating in his TARDIS at the end he says, Oh yes, I suppose it makes sense, wearing a bit thin. Ah. So there you
1: go. A little tie in there, that's good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So the general Pulls a gun on Barclay.
0: Yeah, this is the point where I, I, I kind of hate this as a trope. The the military leader who's snapped to the point that they're pulling guns on their own staff.
1: Yeah.
0: I kind of hate it because I feel like it's, unless they have gone actually insane, at which point it should be an instant suppression and court-martial, you know, no, no general or whoever should be doing that under any circumstances. Yeah. So he tells him to refuel. Also, can I say, sorry, it's because it's a completely hollow threat as well. Because Barclay's the only one who can help. Yeah. He can't if he kills Barclay, how's he gonna get his fucking rocket
1: up then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, tells him to refuel the rocket. The yes. general's son then calls to say that Mondas apparently starts to glow, then dim. Yeah. And the general then is immediately furious again, this time at the doctor, saying he yeah. sentenced his son to death.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think the doctor had anything to no, do with it. He, to,
1: he was asleep. You know, like, <laughs> if you fell over in the street, would you just yeah. shout at whoever was on the other side of the road? <laughs> this is all your fault! Yeah. You know, that <laughs> way lies madness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but like I say, he has completely cracked at this point, hasn't he? Yeah,
1: he's a man um, on the edge. Yeah. But thankfully the Cybermen appear and just zap him with their torch weapon, so
0: Yeah. That that deals with that.
1: Yeah, smell you later. Yeah. So because they've killed the general, yeah. the doctor seems to empathize with them a bit more. It's just like, oh, thanks for that
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's still at this point where I mean and this is very doctory. He doesn't want even though they've been aggressive and they're very alien, he doesn't automatically assume they are inherently evil No, in the way the general did. And he th- still wants to kind of take the diplomatic route with them.
1: Well, yeah, he invites them to live on Earth.
0: Yeah. It's not yeah. really
1: his place to do that. He's not from Earth.
0: No, but, you know, we've you seen know, that like before. It's like
1: me inviting people to stay at your house. <laughs>
0: exactly. But we've seen that before. We saw it with um, uh, the Silurians. Mm. And we saw it with your, your favourite episode, uh, The Unquiet Dead. Where he's where the Doctor's perfectly happy to let the Gelf inhabit the bodies of the dead because it seems like a fair compromise to him. You know, the Doctor, whilst he sympathises and empathises with humanity quite a lot, he's not human and he sees Earth as, like, just another place. Yeah. You know? So it's really interesting to see this early... Because, obviously, his encounters subsequently with the Cybermen have kind of hardened his view on like how much leeway he's willing to like how much slack he's going to cut them, mm. but uh, yeah, at this early stage he's still kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt
1: yeah. so whilst they're considering the doctor's offer, yeah, uh, they take Polly and the doctor hostage as insurance. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Polly's
0: is not happy about it.
1: No, Polly's knocked think... out and placed in a weird yeah. chair. Now, I thought she was going to become a Cyberman, but it oh, just that's... turned out it is yeah. just a weird chair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the Doctor speaks with Geneva. Turns out there's mm-hmm. Cybermen there now as well, because the Cybermen had a second objective.
0: <laughs> yeah, just, apparently. This just, is so dumb.
1: Just to be absolute dicks, they want to use yeah. the bomb to destroy Earth.
0: Okay, so this makes no sense to me because because it, it is. It's, it I guess it's just vindictive because they said their plan was to drain all the energy from Earth so they could help their own people. I guess they're now at the point where they feel like Mondus is doomed. So they're like, right, well, I guess we'll just destroy Earth as well. Yeah. Why? Why not take up the doctor's offer and kind of try and find a way to live together? It makes no sense to me if if they if they're. The goal up until that point has been survival. Why now suddenly be like, oh, well, that's not an option, so fuck it. Just keep taking you all down with us. Yeah. Absolute
1: dick move. Yes. So Ben tries to stall for time. He's now being tasked with helping relaunch the rocket. Yeah. Uh, And he wants to know why... He's been kept alive. Why do the Cybermen Mm. need human? Why aren't they fixing the rocket themselves? Yeah. Okay. So he works out that they fear radiation. Yes. So his genius plan is to lie on the floor. Yeah. Pretend he's dead. So Cyberman comes in to see what's going on. Just to see what happens. Yeah. So when he draws one in, it is weakened. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I think they beat it up for a bit.
0: Yeah. They t- they test the hypothesis.
1: And he works out as long as they're in the radiation chamber, they're safe. Yeah. And what they should do is just hide there till Mondas blows up anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Then Ben just pulls all the wire out of the machine to stop the Cybermen spying on him. Hmm. Okay.
0: This whole, that whole, it's so dragged out that, isn't it? Basically, the point at which he realises the the that they fear the radiation just be like, okay, get a few radioactive rods, off we go, let's break out, let's, let's put an end to this. And they do eventually do that, but it just takes ages yeah. to get there.
1: Yeah. So, the Doctor is also trapped in a weird chair now. Yeah. And he somehow feels the spaceship receive power from Mondas. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just got like six cents for that sort of thing. Ben hunts for a radioactive material and discovers the the reactor core that sort of powers this base. Yeah. And he uses it. However, that turns off the heating, so they may all freeze to death anyway. Yeah. The Cybermen, at first I couldn't really work out what was happening. I couldn't work out if they were lighting a blowtorch to burn through the door, but it Mm -hmm. turned out they were just putting gas in there. Yes, yeah. To sort of flush Ben and his friends out. Yeah. But they get irradiated and they shoot some scientists before they die.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, like, this is where things just get mental. Yeah. Barkley (laughs) finds a Cyberman communicator. Yeah. That have never been mentioned in the episode yet. You know, how he knows how to work it immediately, I don't know. Who knows? But he uses it to summon... More cybermen because he's like baited a trap, so Mm -hmm. he's able to like kill more as they come. So the cybermen appear as Mondas breaks apart, yeah, and they immediately disintegrate.
0: Yeah, it's total Deus Ex bashinger,
1: yeah. Like, none of this matters because they're all dead,
0: yeah. They could have, they all just could have waited.
1: So, how. So they, how... Everyone,
0: everyone could have just walked into the TARDIS and just waited for a couple of hours. Uh, I was going to say. Like, would have... I was yeah. going
1: to say, Sorry. how do we have Cybermen in the future? But they're from Talos, not Mondas, aren't they?
0: Yeah. 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 Because that's the thing. It's a very definitive end, isn't it? Because, like, end of Mondas, end of Cybermen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, Polly and the Doctor are still trapped, but Ben frees yes. Polly. And yeah. he tells the Doctor not to worry, it's all over. Yeah. The Doctor says, it's far from over, I need to get to the TARDIS.
0: So that's your first bit of foreshadowing. Mm. Did you twig?
1: Yeah, I thought by now I sort of knew where we were going. Yeah. Uh, so Ben and Polly are locked out of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. However, when they do manage to enter, the Doctor faints on the floor. Yeah. And the episode ends with the regeneration from Hartnell,
0: yeah, into travel. So, so yeah, you compare the the end for say you know any of the modern Doctors where they all get a lovely little speech, they get to acknowledge their time they are on the show and stuff like that. Hartnell's last lines, keep warm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so unceremonious. Yeah. Um, because it was such a gamble. It, like, I think they didn't want to make a big deal out of it. They always didn't want to draw attention to it initially, I think.
1: It um, is strange that regeneration came such a big thing after this. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And it's really, I would say, it's only in the modern series that it's become something that becomes a sort of plot point in itself. Mm. No, that's not really true. There are there are stories I can think of where it is it is a plot point of the classic series. But... Yeah, it 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 it's as the series goes on, it becomes more and more important to the overall mythos of the show. Yeah. At this stage, it really was just a an att- you know, a last ditch survival attempt for the show itself yeah. to somehow outlive its lead actor mm. becoming too ill to 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 play the part. So, so,
1: am I am I right in thinking that like they don't use the word regeneration for the first couple?
0: No. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Pertwee, um, but even then, does he say renewal rather than regeneration? Like I, I can't remember, but but yeah, there really are no consistent rules to regeneration until you're getting. Well, I mean, I'd say some rules are set up in the Fourth Doctor's era, but then his regeneration is really weird, and maybe we'll we'll t- t- see that one day. Mm-hmm. But there's some really weird elements. It's it's really not done consistently at all until the modern series. Right, where at least with the modern show, like they have a very consistent effect that they use, and the doctors talk about it in a similar way, and yeah, and there's it like side posts, more... it's coming, yeah, yeah, but it's it's yeah, in the, in the classic series, it's every single one has has sort of weird wrinkles to it that are just like, does that really fit? <laughs> um, mm. But uh, yeah. So it's like I say, not not my favourite Hartnell story, but I, I, for for various reasons, I felt it was one worth showing you. And I, I'm hopeful next time, you know, in another year or so, when we're coming back round to Hartnell again, we might be in a position to 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 watch one just for fun,
1: mm.
0: uh, which I'd really like to do. I'd like to just pick just a just a firm favourite and just. One. Just a good one. Yeah, we'll have we've a really good time sort of with
1: it. start and end of his story now, haven't
0: we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was it was it was a nice thing to do, and I have enjoyed talking about it with you. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I like this story for what it, for what it establishes. You know, it introduces my favourite monsters. It, it 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 establishes the continuity of the show forever because that's the moment at which. Doctor Who can now live forever.
1: Yeah, It
0: is just unkillable as an idea because the main character can never die and already was possessed a magic box that could take them anywhere. Um, so, yeah, it's a significant story, but not necessarily a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, next week, we're finally on to uh, the Capaldi era. So, that's exciting. That'll be a bit different. Maybe. Or maybe it'll be more of the same. Let's
1: delete some stuff from our Google Drive. Make way for all those angry
0: emails. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So, do join us next week when we will be watching the first episode of Series 8, Deep Breath. But until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And cheerio. Bye now.
1: Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at pod.
0: And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.